Welcome to Tunes and Tumblr's Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Remember to follow both Atwood and Tunes and Tumblr's wherever you sync most of your screen time. I'm your host, Anthony, and you might as well come to terms with it now. Halloween is canceled, Thanksgiving is canceled, Christmas and Hanukkah are canceled. At Tunes and Tumblr's, we've already come to terms with the unceasing meaninglessness of existence in the time of COVID. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about our favorite music over the magic of Zoom. Grab your headphones and a shot glass and pretend you aren't alone for the next half hour with us. We're also joined by one of my personal favorite artists, folk tour Bometheus, who is debuting his latest single, Goodbye COVID-19, appropriately enough, on our show. Stick around to the end to chill out with that quarantine jam. Of course, I know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I invited my usual band of misfits to join me on the mic, and they are... Ryan, your music connoisseur. And Pedro, your mixologist. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I watched Palm Springs on Hulu, and I have to say that like nothing really captured the feeling of quarantine quite like that nihilistic time loop. Like I feel like I'm just waking up in Palm Springs every single day, and this is my life now, and like I just have to accept it. <laughs> I feel like waking yeah. up in Palm Springs would be like not the worst thing to do every day. Big recommends for all of you who haven't seen it yet. Um, it was bought by uh, Hulu from Sundance back in January, and it's like they knew. It's like they knew. Maybe this was all. Maybe they this did quarantine know. was all a ploy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it would have done as well in any other time, but I think that uh, we're getting off topic. Let's check out the news desk to see what's happened in music this week. In a rare move of bipartisanship, the House of Representatives has introduced a new bill to encourage music creation during the pandemic. The Help Independent Tracks Succeed, or HITS Act, and I'm sure they're all slapping themselves on the back for that acronym, will allow independent creators to expense 100% of the cost of new studio recordings up front. Co-sponsored by Democrat Linda T. Sanchez of California and Republican Ron Estes of Kansas, the new bill would allow individuals to fully expense new studio recordings up to $150,000 on their taxes within the same year of production, thereby easing the financial burden of creating new music. Until now, musicians were unable to do so, instead having to spread the deduction out over the full economic life of a sound recording, which was typically about three to four years. Speaking with Billboard, the Recording Academy's chief advocacy officer, Daryl Friedman, said, We wanted to incentivize musicians to get back in the studio and put more music out into the world when we need it right now, and give them an immediate financial benefit of having this deduction in the first year. But this will be an ongoing tax provision that will live beyond the pandemic and will be a benefit to artists for years to come. I think I speak for everyone at Tunes and Tumblers when I ask, does this cover podcast recordings? Ryan, what else do you have for us? Thanks, Anthony. Uh, According to The Fader, Spotify CEO Daniel X says working musicians may no longer be able to release music only once every three or four years. Spotify CEO discussed streaming and sustainability in a recent interview with Music Ally, published on Thursday. He denied criticisms that Spotify pays insufficient royalties to artists and insisted that the role of the musician had changed in today's future landscape. He claimed that a narrative fallacy had been created and caused music fans to believe that Spotify doesn't pay musicians enough for streams of their music. 
Some artists that used to do well in the past may not do well in the future landscape, where you can't record music once every three to four years and think that's going to be enough. What is required from successful musicians, he insisted, is a deeper, more consistent and prolonged commitment than in the past. The artists today that are making it realize that it's about creating a continuous engagement with their fans. It's about putting the work in, about the storytelling around the album, and keeping a continuous dialogue with your fans. Wow, that sounds pretty condescending for someone who doesn't make music. <laughs> uh, yeah, disappointing. Pedro, what do you got for us? <laughs> the infamous Fire Festival. We all remember it, and we all love the documentaries because it's such a shit show. But um, leftover merchandise seized from Billy McFarlane by the U.S. Marshals is now up for auction uh, in an attempt to recoup funds uh, that have been lost by the victims of Fire Festival. Um... The sale includes 126 items. Uh, T-shirts, sweatpants, hats, wristbands, and tokens are all up for sale, including some other things. Uh, the clothing that was seized was originally intended to be used for further fraudulent crimes committed by Billy McFarlane uh, while he was on pretrial release. The online auction will continue until August 13th. Some of the items currently up for auction already have bids exceeding $200, so if you want to get something, get there now. Um... Uh, McFarland is currently serving a six-year prison sentence for fraud, obviously. Um, and in addition to the Fire Festival auction cur currently happening, back in December, a trustee overseeing the Fire Festival bankruptcy filed 14 lawsuits against talent agencies repping performers and artists who were set to appear at Fire Festival. Um, this also includes influencers such as Kendall Jenner, who promoted the event for social media. So, Fire Festival and all its drama is still not over. Oh my god, it's the story that keeps giving. So the the promoter is suing the the artists who didn't show up to play the uh the the, the burning dumpster fire of a festival. Mm-hmm. Yes, the fires that continue the fires of this mess continue to burn. So let me get that straight. So the US Marshal Service is selling fire merch. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, that's quite a bit of news, and I think we need to go on a bit of a tech cleanse and chill out on some tunes now. Ryan, what's on the stereo today? On the stereo, we're going to be hearing Come and Go by Juice World from his posthumous album Legends Never Die, featuring DJ and producer Marshmallow, a guitar rock-infused EDM stomper. Ooh. Well, I can tell this is going to be a bit of an intense episode. We're going to need to do shots first. Pedro, what do you have on deck for us? Intensity is correct anthony with this shot i wanted to definitely make something intense something that's sort of hard to take um and i was thinking you know uh, the artist named juice world sort of makes me think of all those like big batch punch drinks you get you can like find in college parties and you just sort of you know dip a cup in there and take from it so i was thinking sort of along the lines of like those punches like jungle juice and so i wanted to use some fruit punch with this and with that i'm also using marshmallow vodka because of the artist oh my. Feature, featured with juice world so marshmallow vodka fruit punch and then to just give it um a real kick in the ass and throwing a little bit of Everclear in there it's got that sweetness to help it go down a little easier but it is quite hard to swallow so i'm calling it some medicine Ooh. <laughs> all right i think it's time for all of us to take our medicine <laughs> cheers gents cheers cheers so before we get into this we need to state the obvious and that is that Juice World is no longer with us. He passed on December 8th of last year. 
um, of a suspected drug-induced seizure at Midway uh, International Airport in Chicago. He was only 21. And a little piece of trivia, he died exactly 39 years after John Lennon, who he would often mention in his songs. Besides that, I mean, like, he was so very, very young. He kind of leaves questions unanswered to what his um, uh, career would have looked like, as this often does. Um, But let's talk about posthumous albums first, because this is hardly the first one. Do you guys, what do you think of posthumous albums as a concept, first of all? I love the idea of an artist, uh, of of getting to hear something an artist maybe wouldn't have released when they were alive, because, you know, um, that's, I mean... When they're when they're actually alive and working, there's certain things that they're trying to promote, market, and so uh, it can be kind of limiting as far as maybe the stuff that they want to release. So and so, I feel like posthumous albums give us a chance to hear um, a lot of things that we wouldn't have before, and so I really like that. I mean, it sucks that uh, usually the artist has passed on by then, but um, getting to hear what what could have been is always like a real treat. I I generally like it too. I think it's strange when stuff from like a vault is released, when Warner Brothers releases Prince's music or anytime some files are kind of dug up and released. That's kind of strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um I you know, it's I mean it's fascinating to hear stuff and I'm grateful to hear it, but I feel like if stuff wasn't intended to ever be released, that's kind of strange. Um, and a little, a little cloudy, but yeah, generally I think it's, you know, it's positive, but it's definitely a surreal listen depending on mm-hmm. the album. Joy Division's Closer is to me kind of the mm-hmm. obvious example, which came out two months after Ian Curtis committed suicide. Um, so it, yeah, it, it makes for sometimes a strange and surreal haunting listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think like I straddle those lines too. Like you know, closer being released like right after um, uh, Ian Curtis's death, or even life after death. I mean, like it was kind of a little bit uh, prophetic in a way, and it was completed right before he was killed. But I think like there definitely are a few cash grab examples. For example, um, Escape by Michael Jackson. I think like anytime I think of that album, I'm just like, oh, and you know, of course that came out like back in 2014, I want to say, you know, before um, all of the obvious allegations were brought to the fore. Um, But like that to me seems less of an artistic statement from an artist and more of like the studios being like, what can we do right now? Like we need, we need money. Mm. And I don't know if I like when I can tell that that's the case. Um, And of, of course the dust hasn't really settled on legends. Never die. The album that uh, come and go is from, but um, I, I, I like to think that this is his final statement as an artist and not uh I I don't want to be cynical about it what do you guys think yeah I would I would think this would be the final statement um I mean legends never die I mean I don't know how it how it couldn't be I mean I think it would be strange to keep releasing any music he hadn't had or try and um grab more from the you know from his archives or whatever you know or the vault I think this is to me, seems like kind of the ideal 
final statement. I mean, it's odd. I, I, <laughs> with this song especially, with lines like, you know, uh, head up, stay strong, we're going to live long. I didn't go through all that hell for nothing. It's like, just, geez, it's like a gut punch, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of sad, kind of how uh, prophetic it all, it all is. And so, yeah, I would think it'd be a mistake to not make this the final statement. Right. Uh, I, I am a little sad that Juice World wasn't able to continue his career uh, beyond this because like a lot of new um, emotional emo rappers, uh, he blended a lot of styles. Like he didn't grow up listening to hip hop at all. He was raised by a very religious single mother in Chicago um, that didn't let him listen to hip hop. So he came up on rock and pop music that he found in video games like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and Guitar Hero. So like he was listening to Billy Idol, Blink-182, Black Sabbath, Megadeth, Fall Out Boy. Um, and I think that a lot of those influences come out in this song especially. Like this is a, a pop punk song with kind of like the new trap vocal styling and then like a big EDM drop. Like it's got everything. You want mm-hmm. something, it's got something for you. I love this you- idea that you could sum up your influences in the sounds of Guitar Hero or the sounds of Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true though. I mean, that's that's accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Those track lists used to be banging. Like the, oh, uh, I yeah. think of, yeah, Guitar Hero 3 and the original Rock Band especially. Mm-hmm. Like that's... That's where I first heard you're you're gonna you're gonna think I'm weird for this. This was the the first time I ever heard Slayer was in rock or not rock band, uh, Guitar Hero Three. That's and, not weird. You probably uh, weren't the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, uh, I kind of want to bring it back to um, Juice World and his influences. Um, like even though he grew up on that type of music, like and he didn't even really take. Uh, hip hop seriously until he was like a about a sophomore in 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 high school and that's also when he started becoming a heavy drug user mm. uh in 6th grade he started drinking lean and by 2013 he was on Percocet and Xanax and yeah uh i mean this isn't an isolated story you hear about a lot of these young rappers like Lil Peep in particular who is also uh long gone like you who also died of a drug overdose like a lot of these kids are not living that long mm-hmm. and uh in his song legends juice world even raps what's the 27 club we ain't making it past 21 and while it's tragic that this line ended up being prophetic i think he ended up being a victim of the same culture that's killing these young rappers what do you guys think about what's going on in that community right now I think like any, I think like the opioid epidemic in America, it's pretty complicated. There's a lot, a lot going on and the culture definitely has to do with it. You know, record labels and the industry in general, you know, when they discover some of these rappers, they fly them out and, um, try and, you know, seduce them with the lifestyle. I think that's been going Mm -hmm. on forever in Mm -hmm. the music business and that probably needs some examination, but you know. It also has to do with addiction and the opioid epidemic, and it's all tied together, you know, untreated mental illness. And a lot of it is, is you know, glorified 
it's it's also tied in with a lot of like nihilism that I think younger generations have, and mm-hmm. I think it's probably not a good thing that that's glorified um, and celebrated. The Twenty One Club thing is super strange um, and messed up because that's there are like multiple people, right? There are multiple rappers. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and some of them are even younger. I know XXX Tentacion, um, who died a couple years ago, was only twenty, and you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste too much time talking about him because like he was not a really good human being in general but i think it's tragic that we're just losing human life at all mm-hmm. and it's kind of because of the lifestyle and the crisis that we find ourselves in there's no simple answer to tackling this yeah it's 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 hard to it's just strange to watch this now become sort of like a regular thing like it feels like it's kind of normalized now right where it's like young mm-hmm. rapper who was only mm-hmm. 21 accidentally OD'd or was shot on the same yeah. day. Like it's becoming kind of like a regular headline Yeah, um, really to see this, you know, it's, it's all over the industry too, from Prince to Mac Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like you said, there's sort of a, like seduction angle with it, right? Like this is the lifestyle and there's, there's so much excess and all that. And I think like, like you said, it does get glorified, especially by, like fans of people and that's been that way for for a really long time everyone sort of admires the the artist who can go out and perform you know while insanely high on whatever they're on whatever they're taking and that they sort like you hear legends about that like oh this artist you know did like a one-hour guitar solo high on lsd or something like you hear shit like that and it's sort of like a a badge of honor to be an artist and doing so many it, it just sort of um indulging in in all of the in all of the backstage stuff yeah and it's definitely a double-edged sword there because juice world had come to the industry already addicted to drugs mm-hmm. and then there was a there was a moment not long ago where uh future had a moment of reckoning this was a year before juice world died where he finally recognized his role in making lean popular among kids. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, again, it's not, it's not just one thing that we can point our finger at. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You hope, you hope that seeing this people, the takeaway isn't to romanticize it more, but to go, wow, this is actually not a problem or excuse me, not <laughs> it actually is a, fr- actually is a problem. Because I feel like like it's been happening for so long, you mm-hmm. know, like it's just been it's it's been part of the music business forever, you know, with yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, and so you hope people see this and go, yeah, maybe this isn't cool, um, yeah, but I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, you sort of hope people stop thinking that like they're great artists because of the drugs, as opposed to they are great artists and they do a lot of drugs. Like I feel like there's a confusion there with some people like they think that one leads to the other which isn't really true (laughs) and i think eroding myths of like genius and yeah like you're saying um you have to be tortured or drugged out to make good art i think right eroding those myths is important right we're we're kind of uh we're kind of coming up on the end of it here but um i want to like talk a little bit about a quote from juice world's most popular song uh lucid dreams And it's a very simple line. He says, I have these lucid dreams where I can't move a thing. And I 
thought back to our James Blake episode, obviously, when we were talking mm-hmm. about sleep paralysis demons. But this kind of seems like it's more about the circumstances he found himself in, almost like he understood that his lifestyle was slowly eroding him. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys ever <laughs> get the feeling that you're kind of caught in this lucid dream where you can't move a thing? Since March. Since March. <laughs> I did my very best to keep the COVID talk to a minimum this time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think everyone has moments like that, though, where you feel completely powerless. Um, and it, that's a hard thing to dig yourself out of, for sure. Um, even worse when it, you sort of get to that place on your own, like sort of just because of your own decisions or actions, like, it's it's hard to to get to a place like that and then get past it um when it's sort of you sabotaging yourself in the beginning um mm-hmm. but yeah, I, but yeah I, think, cycle. I think everybody feels that yeah absolutely exactly uh yes i feel that <laughs> currently <laughs> and all the time <laughs> yeah and i think spiraling doesn't help either because like you kind of dig your feet in and things get worse and worse. And that's not something that you can easily talk your way out of. I mean, dealing with my own struggles with mental illness, like when I start to spiral, nothing helps. Like once you get Mm -hmm. your stress level up to a nine or 10, um, it just, it's one of these things that you just have to ride out. And if you're self-medicating with um, destructive behaviors and substances, it can lead to worsening your situation. Right. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of these young rappers and young artists in general fall prey to that. Uh, before we sign off, though, I, I want to know, like, um, do you have any solutions yourselves that, I mean, not like some kind of like game ending solution to this, but just like, <laughs> what is something we can do slowly to um, dissemble this whole culture of self-destruction? in the music well, me, industry i think i think it's good to address the elephant in the room that we have a podcast uh you know about oh, drinking about alcohol <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh we probably worth saying that we don't uh we don't you know we don't stand for self-medicating and everything we all the drinks we post are meant to be taken in moderation um mm-hmm. and so just want to throw that out there <laughs> yeah um, uh back when we had the uh the article that would come out in conjunction with the episode, which we plan on returning to in the future when we're not stuck inside, um, we would say several times to please enjoy responsibly. And we mm-hmm. do take that very seriously. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They're enjoy meant to, yourself. They're meant, to, they're meant but, to be enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, yes. Enjoy yourself, but also practice a little bit of self-awareness. At what point does your behavior become an addiction? Yeah. That's a very good thing. Thank you for bringing that up, Ryan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess then back to your original question, Anthony, of what what can we do? What solutions do we are are out there? I think there are many, and it's worth looking into. And we certainly don't have all the answers, but I think knowing the difference between you know indulgence and addiction, and being really conscious of that, and knowing when it might be a problem is important. So I I'd, mm-hmm. I'd encourage people to stay uh, conscious of that they can and i think that it's kind of um it's kind of imperative that media and in particular music media 
because that's what we uh, specialize in. The way that we cover these issues is important because we can fall into the trap of glorifying the lifestyles of these artists that can lead to other people wanting to emulate it. So I Mm -hmm. think when we take an even-handed approach, recognize the problem and talk Mm. through it, like that gives people the perspective that they need. And hopefully we're making a difference here. Hopefully, hopefully in our small way, tunes and tumblers is not a part of the problem. Hopefully. Cheers to that. Hopefully. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) So before we hand off the baton to Bometheus, I just want to read this quote here from Marshmallow that he posted to his Instagram when the song came out. Um, about Juice World, He called him one of the most talented people he's ever met. And he said, we were both constantly on the same page when it came to music. And the times we spent together were some of the most exciting times I've ever had in my entire life. Watching you take breaks to do wheelies on your dirt bike and then come back and finish a whole song in one take was normal. And to be able to do this album with you and show the world what we made together means so much to me. You were a great person, and I miss you every day, man. You will live forever through your music. I would say cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers to that. All right, guys. Uh, anything to plug this week, or are we still stuck in our little bubbles? <laughs> still in the bubbles, baby. Still in the bubble. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. And if you're looking for something to read to help you through your quarantine, uh, Devin Henry and I are finally live with our project. Um, on the publication, I hope this finds you well on Medium. Our first article is up, and it's about the quarantine time loop that we kind of talked a little bit about at the beginning of the episode. So feel free to dive into the chaotic mess of my mind over on Medium. Thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast. Be sure to like the show and Atwood on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. And before we go, we're joined by another artist dropping his latest single on the pod. He's a personal favorite of mine, and he released what is, in my opinion, one of the best albums of 2019 with Sweet Nothings, and followed it up earlier this year with the experimental yet still astounding Inadequate. There's more to say, but I'm going to hand off the mic to him. TNT fam, please join me in toasting the amazing folk artist Bometheus. Cheers. 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 Woo. Hello, I'm Bometheus, and this is my new single, Goodbye COVID-19. It chronicles my experience with getting married in the midst of a pandemic. It's not really something I would recommend, but despite the fact that we were deprived of our original venue, the majority of our friends, and some of our family, we found it to be surprisingly beautiful. And while we appear to be a long way off from actually saying goodbye to this virus, the song is about how good it will feel whenever we do finally get to say goodbye to COVID-19 and hello to one another in person. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening.
Just our friends, you and me. But it's so far away. I'm overcome. Thinking goodbye, COVID nineteen. Without you, play the piano. And they that I. Just when I think we know the answer, then it looks like goodbye. Cry COVID nineteen. Grandpa, this is serious. Please cancel your flight. This isn't the flu, and no, it's not cancer. But let's not say goodbye because of COVID. Say goodbye.